to story time with Gina and Zena. Hi, I'm Zvex. I'm Covert Go Gina. <laughs> and today we are on to episode four of March of the Machine, Beneath Eyes Unblinking by Arsenault Rivera. And if you are just checking out the channel, make sure to slam the subscribe button because we are doing a bunch of MTG lore our way with our flair and our style. Before we jump into this story, this particular episode, I want to preface, is a real channel flipping uh, episode. Gina, go ahead and get us into episode four. Tyvar returns to Skimfar and Kaldheim. There's no cheering. Odd. Everyone should just be cheering whenever he shows up somewhere, right? But uh, there's just lots of sounds of battle and dying. Ooh. And in the distance, a giant snake wearing white armor is strangling the world tree. It's, it's not good. Yeah, it, there's just basically a lot of destruction here. Uh... Yeah, it's not good for our Planeswalker friends. But Tyvar feels war drums in his heart, and glory drives his limbs. He ducks a bad guy, changes his arm to metal, and drives it through his head. And then he finds his brother, Harold, fighting alongside his people. A giant throws a boulder at them. Tyvar plants his feet, and he punches it in one blow. And then uh, Tyvar fills his brother in on the details about their enemy. We're basically seeing firsthand all of the action in Kaldheim, and now Tyvar has to relay all of the horrible Phyrexian abstrosities to his brother so they know exactly what they're up against. And the ground shakes, and white light leaks in from crevices as a doom scar opens. Water pours out, and Tyvar creates a platform for his people, and then they rush onto ships. It's, it's crazy. Dwarves, humans, ghosts, zombies, barbarians, fire giants, and trolls are all fighting together. It's Noah's <laughs> Ark heading to battle Phyrexia. <laughs> you know, Tyvar had felt the fear and doubt in new Phyrexia, but he looks around this room, this world, and he sees this is true unity. The Phyrexians could learn something from them. Yeah, he can't recall seeing so many different faces in one place outside of a battlefield. Which is pretty cool you know in this day and age we're seeing that all different creature types can work together this definitely has lord of the rings vibes right here <laughs> like the last battle against sauron like we all came together we all resolved our differences for today <laughs> yes it definitely does so harold you know he's a leader so he makes an inspiring speech as the ships enter the cosmos and they're airborne? To give you a better visual image, Thor is a Norse mythology legend, right? So if you picture, if you've seen Marvel's Thor, I like to picture that rainbow bridge and how they kind of travel through space. I like to think the Doom Scar is like the eons opening up, and this is our, our Nordic ship kind of going through yeah. the planes walking way, <laughs> however, whatever that empty space is. I pictured the same thing. I think that's great. So Harold says awesome things like, Our grudges are ancient. Let's fight together. Skalds will sing of this day for centuries. Will you be remembered as a hero or a coward? Let us fight to save Kaldheim. And if it dies, let it die a warrior's death. And they all sing a warrior's song and the seas erupt. Then because that's what Vikings do. 
Yes, that's what Vikings do. <laughs> and then a metal-completed sea monster rises and attacks a longship. Formerly known as Coma, our favorite Kaldheim sea monster. Is it really Coma? Yeah, it really is Coma. The tattoos on Tyvar's shoulder tingle. All elves grew in the shadow of Coma, ever-changing, ever-growing, quick as lightning, and wily besides. Is there any better creature to emulate than a serpent? Tyvar leaps off the ship toward the sea monster's open mouth. He is no coward. And then we change the channel. Yeah, you don't even get to know whether or not Tyvar can deal with coma completed. Each of these changes the channel just as it gets to the most exciting moment. So frustrating, and yet so good. We're in Kaladesh. Chandra's mom, Pia Nalar, was warned by Sahili that an invasion was coming. And Pia believed the Gatewatch would be able to handle it. But then Pia spilled ink on her desk and saw a symbol like an unblinking eye. And she kept seeing it everywhere for three days and knew she had to act. So Pia and Sahili prepared for war. This is like, we're getting a little flashback of Pia on years past where she thinks, oh, whatever trouble comes our way, Chandra will be able to handle it. And then when the oil spills, she's like, oh, it's nothing to worry about. But then the symbol keeps like being in her mind, almost like, those movies, like 23, where the character becomes obsessed with it and can't stop seeing it everywhere. So she finally goes on the third day and confesses to Sahili, hey, I'm seeing these Phyrexian symbols. So Sahili's like, hey, let's go talk to the consulate and make a plan. And the consulate's like, yeah, you, that sounds legit. Let's let's prepare for war. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they, they're like, even though these two women are coming here with these crazy notions, we're not going to call them crazy ladies. We're going to take their word for it because they're people we trust. So that's the moral of the story. Don't call people crazy. Believe women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really liked this part of the story, actually. They, they really do point out they had this crazy notion. Yeah, they walked in here and said some stuff, and we believed them. <laughs> On the fourth day, the sky turned to a deep, dusty red. So they were bright. Yay! War's we coming! Did. Glad we listened. Sahili <laughs> worked on Operation Golden Scales to protect the streets, and they evacuated citizens and armed skyships. And the workshops and factories weren't worked nonstop, so when the invasion begins... They've got something, um, but it begins with like destruction, screams, weapons firing, and Pia leaves her home and sees this long white branch wrap around a ship she recognizes with a captain she knows, and it immediately shatters and gets covered with oil. But then she sees, oh, there's Operation Golden Scales. There's a fleet of bronze attack lizards of varying sizes walking down the street, fighting back against the Phyrexians. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like the Operation Golden Scales were these little containers that somehow popped up or manifested out of the streets. And then they like cracked open like a surprise Jack in the Box egg or something. And like lizards with special aether abilities popped out to join the battle. That's what I pictured. So like Transformers? Yeah, like Transformers. Because 
Kaladesh is very inventive, so of course they were using all of their ingenuity along with their lizard creatures. So, wah, 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 and they turn into lizards. The Healy's cruiser swings by to pick up Pia. The Phyrexians are already swarming the largest lizard and are infecting it with oil. It'll rise against them soon. So that's kind of sad. Like, you made this amazing fleet and already the biggest one is going to get used against you in a minute. <laughs> but they do know that the most important target to protect is the Aetherflux Reservoirs, and the Phyrexians are heading straight there. So they're heading that way, too. And the guards are being completed. And Pia sees them, freaks out, because there's a lot of body horror described in the story. Uh, but Sahili assures her, like, we don't know if there's a way to fix them. And we don't have time to, like, study it, conduct experiments, do all the science you need to fix somebody like that. So they keep going, and they're flying over more and more completed beings. They're flying in Sahili's cruiser. Uh, Sahili picked up Pia when all of the lizard catapults started going off when the war started happening. Sahili swooped down and was like, Pia, hop in. We got to get off the streets. Everyone's evacuated. And Pia asks for an update on Chandra and Sahili insists like the most recent thing I heard is that she's all right. And before they can talk more, they're interrupted by the pilot of a skimmer offering to help. Um, knowing that vehicle is going to be faster and have better firepower. Pia transfers to that vehicle because it can only fit one person. So Sahili has to continue on with her cruiser. Pia has barely had time to buckle up when a giant quill the size of a javelin punches through the glass and the chest of the pilot, pinning him to the seat. <laughs> yeah, she's That's literally mid-thought contemplating how safe is this thing when Suddenly, the pilot gets impaled by a giant feather quill. Like, she should have stayed with Sahili. <laughs> I was not expecting this. Uh, so things are not looking good for, for her all of a sudden, for Pia. No, this air vehicle is beginning to dive, and Pia has to take the controls. She's never flown one of these things before. She's not giving up, because Chandra's coming to tea next month. Pia's going to be there to meet her, if she can just get through this. Click. Click. I changed the channel. We gotta see yep. a different story. Like, she's falling from the sky. Okay, we we ended the first story with Tyvar falling into a sea monster's mouth. And now we've got Pia's air vehicle falling. We don't know if she's gonna be able to even drive it. Oh, <laughs> on to the next one, I guess. Let's see what's going on in Capenna. We left Atraxa there last when Elish Noren sent her off. What's going on there, Gina? Atraxa hates new Compenna. She can't wait to destroy it. This place is teeming with sin and filth, and Atraxa will be its savior. She loves her job. Harvest them. No prisoners, no mercy. <laughs> they try to fight back. Some are climbing and using weapons. Others are in the streets doing punching, using their fists. They're disappearing, reappearing, flinging spells. But Phyrexia can never be defeated. Flesh will always yield. And who has and the they, weakest they be... flesh? Ask yourself this out of all five Nuka Pena guilds, which which one guilds? Out of all five Nuka Pena, what are they called? Families. families. Out of all five Nuka Pena families, which one has the weakest flesh? That is a good question. Do we think well, it's the creative types because they're sensitive? 
think maybe it's the creative types, but actually they've got thicker skin because they can take insults about their work being like weird. About critics. <laughs> it's the maestros who have the weakest skin because they're already wheeling and dealing and deals, assassinations, you know, they're, they've got the streets under their control. So they've already got the corruption running through their skin. Oh, okay. Atraxa says the maestros were the first ones to open their minds up and were already the most corrupt. Uh, war engines are just like crashing through storefronts, releasing caustic gas. It's melting flesh from bone. It's really gross. And um, Atraxa is interested in finding the remains of her predecessors, so she reaches into the minds of the maestros for information. And she learns about beauty. Art, beauty. nature, and music are beautiful, and what is beautiful must be important. <laughs> uh, does this totally take you to the fifth element when she's learning about the entire vocabulary and she gets to, like, L for love? She's like, oh, love. We haven't gotten quite to W for war, but, like, beauty. What is this beauty the humans describe? Yeah, Norn had warned her that there was something about this place that might try to infect her. So the images she's seeing lead her to the museum. And the doors are too small, so she corrects this. <laughs> <laughs> she is appalled by the paintings, sculptures, etc. Because they're all featuring, like, individuals or small groups. Oh, gross! Ugh, that's that's not what this is about. So she spears everything she hates. Stomping yeah. around, crushing everything. If you ever had a sibling and the dollhouse and they like wrecked it, this was that. <sighs> or a cat. <sighs> like how dare they value individuals over the whole. <laughs> oh, and then she finds the history section and it's depicting Capenna's victory over the Phyrexians. She sees, like, pictures in her mind of people standing around just, like, talking about it, and she gets super pissed. And this place, the Phyrexians that were too weak to see their mission through, the fleshlings who mock them, it's all wrong. Atraxa will destroy all of it. She literally sees all of these statues as gaudy, organic imitations of perfection, which they clearly have no oil or anything on them. So how could they be perfect or even this beautiful word that has seeped into her mind? Yes. Uh, Phyresis takes over the building's facade and Atraxa just turns the inside to rubble. She never wants to hear the word beautiful again. <laughs> She just keeps saying to herself this little memento, harvest them, harvest them, harvest them, as if that will help, like, you know, get rid of the flesh and make it be one. So she uh, she takes a step outside and sees a courtyard and there are stone angels staring at her and she realizes they are beautiful and that she hates them more than anything anything she's ever hated in her entire life. More than she knew it was possible to hate. And she beheads them all and just keeps pounding until they are dust. <laughs> she already had her fit going through the museum. Once she turns around outside and sees more angel statues, she just continues her smash fit. Yeah, yeah, and and she's hearing through her mind connection she has with the 
uh, Phyrexians that the fleshlings are climbing the tower, and that's when she's commanding them to be harvested. Uh, and they're like, oh, it hurts. Like, the vapor hurts us. And she's like, shut up. I don't want to hear your complaints. Like, keep doing it. What is beauty? What is this? So she decides she's she's done with this location. She's going to go to the front where all the fighting is. And then it gets, like, a little spooky again, like it did at the end of episode two. The angels and visitor watch her go. The visitor asks, why not stop her? The answer is, it is not yet time. It doesn't feel like the right answer, but the visitor can't disprove it. Have faith. It's almost here, the end. You'll know what to do when we've gotten there. So here's what I got from this. She's had her tantrum. She's in the museum and has the final wall mural. She destroys it. She goes out and sees the angel heads, destroys them. But the angel heads were actually a fail-safe put in place by New Capenna ages ago because Elish Norn in episode one or two, we didn't really talk about it because it goes off and she talks about, we sent ships there and there was a crew. No, don't save the crew. It doesn't matter anymore. So it didn't really matter. But the whole point is Nuka Penna saw the Praetors. They tried to get their halo before and Nuka Penna, Capenna people set up some sort of uh, fail safe in case this happened again. Right? Because aren't the angels... The angels with the faces of stones are the ones that are saying the weird, creepy things to her. Like, it's not time yet. Or am I wrong? (laughs) (laughs) That crew was probably the same crew that Capenna saw earlier, where the Praetors were trying to steal Halo or do something about it. The people of Capenna were like, we don't like this. Praetors, get out of there. This is our halo. We got angels. We're going to use their angel protection to to protect us. And we're not going to have to worry about these praetors ever again. And just in case, we're setting up a failsafe because we know praetors hate angels. So as soon as the angel's head was smashed, it released these voices that were speaking to us. That's my theory. So you think that when she destroyed the stone statue's heads... That the angels were freed from uh, where they had been kind of kept in captivity. to Like a spirit of the angels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would make a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Oh, the angels might be the watchers. Oh. 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 (laughs) Okay. The first time we read episode one, I thought that the watcher that was asking questions might be Teferi because... We didn't know where he was, and they talked about him in episode two. So I thought, or it was in episode two that they referenced him. I'm sorry. It's um, fine. So I thought it could be him because they had just kind of planted that in our heads, and he's floating around somewhere we don't know. But now, what if it's Elspeth? And she oh, is he's the visitor. I think Elspeth that is the-, the the visitor or the watcher that they're addressing, the one who's asking questions. That would be amazing because she's probably not used to being wherever it is that the angels hang out. But maybe she's undergoing her like transformation right now into whatever. Oh, it yeah. What if them. Atraxa destroying the stone angels actually was the catalyst that unlocked Elspeth becoming an angel? 
all destiny then, isn't it? Isn't it so perfect that Atraxa was sent here and that her own like hate the for beauty irony. led her to this? Yes. Okay, I really hope that's what it is. Uh, if not, at least you, the viewer, get the joy of us freaking out about this. Either really smart or really hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Well, we finished episode four. Gina, what was your favorite moment or quote from this particular chapter? I picked one from inside the museum. Uh, so this quote is, So great is the arrogance of these creatures that they have shaped stone and metal in their image. The wretched inversion rankles Atraxa. All of this does. Why would anyone bother with any of this? These paintings often portrayed only a single individual even those with groups did not portray more than a dozen why extol the virtues of so few when it is by many hands that great work is done and these statues even more individual than the paintings and her spear makes sh short work of them <laughs> i like it it's yeah all all of the art is blasphemy to her straight blasphemy the audacity of what was your favorite? Uh, I think my favorite quote in this is probably something about beauty. Just the entire, the questioning of beauty. I really took it to the, like I mentioned, the fifth element when we were talking about the story. The machine feeling something organic. I just really liked how emotion seemed to have gotten to the metal somehow. Awful word they have for this cannot mean other than wrongness. <laughs> yeah, wrongness. What was your favorite picture from this story? Ooh, my favorite picture from this story. Yo, you gotta know that one of my favorite cards is Smuggler's Copter, like of all time. So this picture in Kaladesh, where we get the Operation uh, Golden Scales popping up, I just freaking love that. I'm seeing sky battle. I'm seeing lizards with like aether bombs on their backs or something. I don't know. I just love that. I freaked out about that. The smuggler's copter. Get to the copter! Player in me just loved that artwork. So I'm glad that Kaladesh is trying to hold their own against the fight for Phyrexia. The colors are so pretty too. What was um, your favorite art piece from this story? Well, since you picked that one, I was having a hard time deciding between the two. I'm going to pick the one from Kaldheim with the ships and the metal beasties and all the like crazy like snake things coming in that are clearly like choking things. And it looks like the water is blood. It's so red. It's very intense and so metal. <laughs> On to episode five. <laughs>